They are professionals, all right. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to get to uh, be prepared to preach each week by hearing them uh, sing. Um, also, very thankful. Volunteers in children's ministry. Can we uh, just thank the Lord for for them? We uh, we take it for granted those of us that are not in children's ministry that that just happens each week. It doesn't just happen. Uh, if you've sat with your kids for any length of time, I'm just kidding you. But you know how they can be, right? Kids, uh, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, right? And, and so uh, God's blessing uh, on those that spend time with kids each week, uh, training them uh, up in the way that they should go. Uh, God's word says that his word will not return void. Those things that they hear as children, they echo into their adulthood. And God promises that that won't be, uh, that won't be void. Um, I love this last song. Um, Sometimes I feel prompted to talk about the song. Sometimes I don't. And, and Jill already did a little bit, but uh, uh, I love that opening line. Here I stand before you now as honestly as I know how. And isn't it awesome? You don't have to come fake to God. It wouldn't do you any good anyway. He knows who you are. And so you can come authentically. He wants you to come authentically. He says, come as you are. I'm not going to leave you that way. I'm not going to leave you in that brokenness, that mess. But I want you to come to me as you are. Uh, it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. And God doesn't want you to stay there broken and a mess. So here I stand before you now as honestly as I know how. And I love the reason we can do that is because his mercy triumphs over judgment. I like to tell people as we're thinking about who God is, and this is all, this is not my notes, but it's it's worth saying. As we think about who God is, I, I like to do, we try to categorize the, the different traits of God. Have you ever, anybody ever thought about that? His holiness, his his righteousness, his justice, his mercy, his love. Which one of them is, is the highest? And you'd be tempted to say, well, all of them. He's, he's infinitely all those things. Why well, I, I stopped using the word infinitely to describe God's character traits because my mind can't even wrap itself around the, the concept of infinity. What I can wrap my mind around is God is perfectly holy. God is perfectly just. God is perfectly righteous. He's perfectly loving. And because he's all those things, if God was just infinity justice, we don't get out of Genesis chapter 3. But we got mercy triumphs over judgment. He said, hey, you're a broken mess, but I got a plan. And it started with that, that first figment of the idea that there was a hero coming onto the scene. That the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And we would live in victory because of it. And we look back now as that, that's all played out. We, we saw Messiah come onto the scene and now we can look back and appreciation for that. We stand before you now as honestly as we know how. And he says to the, even the prodigal, if you're a prodigal here this morning, and you feel like, man, I don't really fit in here, join the group. Join the group. None of us do. But God says to the prodigal, you're welcome home. If you're like me, you go through the week, and you're like, just ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows spiritually. Like, man, I missed the mark. Again. God's like, I knew you were going to. And I was still waiting at the end of that to love you. If you're a prodigal here this morning, you are more welcome here than any place I can imagine. In his presence, come as you are. Don't get polished up first. No amount of polishing will, will get you ready to see the king. But he said already you didn't have to. 
want to start, uh, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21, if you wanted to turn there. But I do have a couple of admin things to share. I didn't want to put this on Rhoda to share these things, because I kind of put them in last minute. But we get the next slide up. Um, it, God has been impressing in my heart the need to establish a more formal prayer team here at Ignite. Um, we have a lot of people that I, I know will pray all throughout the, the night. I woke up a lot of times last night and I kept kind of waking up in a spirit of prayer and thinking about there's a lot of requests been brought to me lately. And it's been an overwhelming week. Just one thing after another. I try to tidy this thing up. I try to, I try to tie the bow on this and I move on to the next thing. I'm like, there's another tragedy or there's another thing that somebody's, hey, Pastor Jeff, uh, you know, my, my child's in the hospital. I don't know what to do. And I don't either, except to pray. And so God's been impressing upon me the need to start a prayer team here. So uh, I know that all of you will be praying as you hear things, as you, as you hear requests being shared. But if you'd like to be a part of a more formalized team of prayer warriors that, that can get together and, and we send out a text message or an email or whatever the right uh, communication method might be, that you can be dropping what you Maybe you're retired. Maybe you uh, work from home. Maybe there's some... Uh, your, your lifestyle is, is such that you can drop what you're doing and just pray immediately. Uh, those are the kind of people I'm looking for. And, and even if you're not in that station in life and you just want to pray anyway, you can be on the prayer team. Uh, all right, so what, what what I'll ask is that you just take a, uh, a piece of paper, write your name and prayer team, and let us know how we can get in touch with you. Uh, also, if God might be prompting you to head this up, um, as a, as a uh, bivocational pastor, I, a million things I want to do, and if I try to do all of them, I wouldn't do any of them well. Uh, and so my job is to preach and to teach and to lead. Uh, but one of the things that a pre- uh, preacher's job, a, a pastor's job specifically, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. All right? So the ministry job is actually yours. It's, it seems like a minister should do ministry, right? Anybody else confused about that? It seems like the minister should do ministry. And, I, and we do. But my, one of my chiefest jobs that I have is to, is to prepare and equip the saints for the work of ministry. So if that's something that you'd like to be a part of or lead, um, please see me after the service, and let's talk about uh, how we might uh, how we might uh, implement that here at Ignite. Uh, the next thing is, uh, for a number of months now, since July, I've been here uh, in an observation period. All right, we uh, we understand that if you're coming here, and you say, "Well, is he the only guy? Is he the only one in, in leadership in the church?" Well, uh, right now, kind of yes, uh, but I I didn't want to rush anything. I wanted to get to know people, taking the DNA as I call it of Ignite. We get to know everybody, get to know uh, how things work, how things operate. Uh, but we're nearing the time where it's going to start being time to implement uh, what our bylaws require, and that is uh, to have uh, elders in place. So uh, if you're a member of Ignite, um, uh, a man who's a member of Ignite, I'll, I'll put it that way, and, and desire the office of elder, the Bible says you desire a good thing. Uh, unfortunately, it's not enough just to desire it. There's a couple of uh, qualifications, First Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. Uh, verses 6 through 9. So if you meet those qualifications and you have a desire to fulfill that role here at Ignite, be praying about that. Be praying earnestly. And, and, and if same thing with the prayer team. If you want to drop your name and just elder and, in the, in the uh, tithe and offering box, uh, that will get back to me and we can start talking about things. We can start uh, uh, dialoguing over what that means. Because let me tell you this. It's not uh, a glamorous thing to be the pastor of a church. Because some people say, oh, you might get the credit for if things really boom and take off. Maybe you get the credit. You know what else you get? To blame. So I'm looking for a group of guys willing to shoulder the burden of leadership, but first and foremost, willing to take that tomato to the face when things don't go well. Willing to stand to stand in the gap and say, yeah, I'll, the buck stops here with me. That's our bad. We're the leaders of this thing, and so it, it lives or dies with us, right? 
And, and so it's, it's not a glamorous thing that you're being called to, if you're being called to the office of elder, but it is a needed thing. Um, and uh, so be praying about that earnestly, if you would. Uh, I, if you know me at all, you know that I don't feel the need every holiday to kind of shift what I'm preaching um, in order to cover the holiday, especially the more hallmark holidays. I, I just don't feel the need to, to divert from what God's doing in Galatians uh, to do that. But I do want to take a minute with Thanksgiving uh, this week. I do want to take a minute to just give some thanks. So first, we talked to we recognize the children's ministry uh, personnel, those those that, that, that are with our uh, our kids week in and week out, uh, and I really appreciate them. The next thing, though, is uh, I want to give thanks to, let's get the next slide up there. If you haven't noticed, if you haven't been on our website in a while, it's changed drastically. Uh, it's a work in progress. So there's there's work ongoing, but I want to take a minute. He wouldn't want me to recognize him, but uh, you can go ahead and leave if you want, David, or you can sit, sit where you're at. Uh, my brother-in-law, uh, David Quigley of uh, Quigley Technology uh, Services, he owns that business, and, and he has donated hours and hours and hours of his time, pro bono, for nothing, to build this website and to do it very well. It's any if you. You can see the interactions. I'm like, hey, David, can we move that like a half an inch? Hey, can we expand it? And it's constant. And by the time we get off the phone, it's already done. He's that good. So uh, uh, appreciation for him. I just wanted to recognize this new website that God will use, ignitechristianchurch.org. And if you have work to do on that line of business, we're not looking to give him only pro bono work to do. Uh, but if you, if, anytime we can, we can give work to those of the family of faith, uh, let's do it. Um, and uh, he makes his living doing just that. So do see him. I have used him for a number of projects over the years, um, and uh, he does a great job. So I appreciate him for that. And then finally, just wanted to take a, a minute to recognize the, the work that's gone into these, uh, what are we calling them, these boxes? Stands? Um, yeah, so, so Ed and I have been uh, commiserating over the idea that somebody's going to trip and hurt themselves or kill themselves on these tripods. And so we both kind of had this idea in mind, and, and his, his vision and my vision kind of came together, and then Mark just out of nowhere pulled it out of thin air and made it happen. Uh, so Mark Jones is responsible for making these boxes. He wouldn't want me to point them out, uh, but I appreciate his work there. Uh, they're safer. They're, they're much nicer to look at, and so I really appreciate uh, all the work. Can we can just go ahead and thank God for all the blessings he's, he's given us in that regard. No, keep it going. I... All right. That's good. <laughs> Some of us get carried away. We're not all as mature as I am, but uh... forgive me, Lord. Um... All right, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. We're going to continue examining the dangers of giving in to our flesh. Uh, so last week, Paul kind of, uh, he, he phrased it this way. He said, don't give opportunity to the flesh. We talked about opportunity so often seems like a good thing, right? I had an opportunity to interview for this job. I had an opportunity here. Uh, I had an opportunity there. And it seems like a good thing. But Paul kind of uh, turns that around and says, uh, these guys are taking opportunity for their flesh. And their flesh being a euphemism for your sin nature, the thing that you're most inclined to do. And not usually a good thing, right? How many of us, our first impulse is the right answer? And men especially, right? Yeah, first impulse sometimes would punch somebody in the mouth. Good thing I, I showed a little restraint, huh? So I just told you about it. I should show more restraint and not tell you about it. But uh, our, our first, first impulse not always our best impulse. And so Paul warned against the opportunity to the flesh 
Uh, and, and in this way, he said, look, if you don't, if you're not loving people through service to them, servanthood to them, you're going to bite and devour one another. This thing's going to end as quickly as it got off if you start doing this, if you take opportunities for the flesh. Rather, you said you should be a servant. The Greek word there is doula, slave. So, so we've been talking about not being a slave to the law. And Paul said, yeah, you should be a slave, just not to the law. Be a slave to each other. Imagine if you took the person next, sitting next to you. And for the most part, it's probably somebody you're very close to. Somebody you love. But imagine expanding that love and, and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm a slave even to the person I least know in this building. That's where I want to get as your pastor. That, that all of your priorities are higher than my priorities. Because I care that much about you. And that I would influence a move of this church that you would feel that way about each other. So many fights start not because we're thinking about the other person, we're thinking about ourselves. Isn't that how every fight starts? Well, that wasn't fair. Well, guess what? We tell kids this all the time. Life isn't fair. But mercy triumphs over judgment. And that's got to start with us, the household of faith. We have got to be exhibiting that. We have to get, we've got to be exemplifying that. So the world outside of here knows they have a safe place to come and be a part of this, no matter what kind of mess your life is in. You're as welcome here as the, as the longest serving member of this church. We have quite a bit of content uh, in our text here. Uh, this morning, um, kind of like drinking uh, from a fire hose. If you don't slow down and read Paul word for word, sometimes you miss a lot. Uh, in fact, all the time, you missed something. Every time you read Paul, you missed something. So go back and read it again. But but this time, uh, he's got kind of a, a catalog of things at the end he's warning against. And we're not going to, the, the pastor in me, the preacher in me is tempted to kind of hang out on a lot of those and make, make some red-faced, pulpit-pounding uh, sermon uh, fodder out of those things. We're not going to do that because I think that's not... Paul's uh, intention there. Um, but a whole lot going on there, I hope that you'll ponder beyond what we just shared this morning, because there's a lot there not to miss. We'll see as the Spirit leads, we may extend our Galatians uh, series to kind of come back and, and treat some of those things topically uh, when we're done with the text, but uh, we'll let God dictate there and, and decide uh, how we do that. Uh, for now, let's uh, before we get into the text, let's open a word of prayer. Lord, here we stand before you now, as honestly as we know how. We're broken, we're overwhelmed sometimes. Lord, I have, I have felt the weight of this week with too many things and not enough days. But Lord, your mercy triumphs over judgment. You, you give beauty for ashes. And so, Lord, we're asking you to be mighty in this place this morning. We're asking you, Lord, to do the impossible. We're asking you, Lord, to change hearts, to change hardened hearts into soft, malleable organs that, that are, are ready and willing to receive the message that, not that I have, Lord, but that you have. Lord, might you get me out of the way as much as possible. But at the end of the day, we have just your thoughts, your message, your intent here is shared this morning. So thankful, Lord, for the worship time to bring us into that. Lord, bless our remaining time here together this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Paul, I'm always tempted to say Paul starts off. But Paul didn't start off. He's been going. 
This is a letter he's written to the Galatians, so uh, he's been going since chapter 1, right? Uh, But he continues his thoughts. He says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. To to bring in some of last week's material, you will not give opportunities to the flesh. You will not seek opportunities for the flesh. Now, Paul here gives us the winning formula. Isn't it nice when you know how to win the game before you played it? It's not for lack of knowing the rules that we fail at this game called the Christian life, right? Amen? Uh, We know the rules. They're all here. You can study this thing all day long. You can know all of them. Of course, a lot of us tend to to try to know this, and then our problem is doing it. The Bible says to him that knows to do right and does it not, to him or to her, it is sin, right? If we know the right thing to do and we don't do it, so the more we know about this book, the more accountable we are to it, right? And that's kind of a scary thing. But walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We have the rules ahead of time. Anybody ever played a game with somebody? Um, they just constantly were changing the rules or making them up as they go. Show hands. And if you haven't played that with somebody, then you are that somebody. All right, knock it off. I, I think of Monopoly. You never trusted the person that was the banker, right? Like it's some, it's a, it's a character flaw that they want to be the banker. It's like so you know immediately you want, oh you want to be the banker. Okay, you got a second Monopoly board, you brought in some more money, you know? And uh, who hasn't tried that? I don't even know if there's, are there rules to Monopoly? Is there a right way to play that game? It always ends in tears, you know? But, uh, and, and one person owns everything, gloating all over the place. It's a, it's a real trap for pride, right? But, uh, and it just comes from somebody who's never won. I'm bitter, I'm bitter, all right? Uh, my game is Risk, like the 17-day game that, uh, of just slaughtering your opponents uh, all over the board. But uh, that was my game. But it's nice to know the rules ahead of time so you know how to play the game, you know how to win the game, right? And Paul here is offering the uh, sneak peek at the rules. You walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Uh, I love the if-then statements in Scripture. I say it all the time. The Bible is chock full. It's replete with examples of if you do this, then this will follow. And we act surprised when, when we do this thing and then that thing follows. Like, oh, shoot, I didn't see that coming. Well, it's right there. It told, it, he told you it was going to happen that way. Um, and so it's not for lack of knowing the rules that we see these things playing out. But if we reread that statement, but I say, if you walk by the Spirit, then you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And certainly we'll not see what happened last week, the biting and the devouring one another. That will be a moot point because we'll never get there. Uh, we'll be walking by the Spirit. We won't have time to give opportunities to the flesh. And this isn't just a Sunday phenomenon, this idea of walking by the Spirit. Sometimes, don't, don't we expect the most spiritual things to happen on Sundays? Again, you can be honest here. There's a song we were talking about, it, so go ahead and be honest. You expect the, you expect the kind of magnificent things, the, the miraculous to happen on Sunday morning. I know I do. I get all charged up, and the guys like the rest of the week, like, hey, I'm still here. Do you still believe in me on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, all through Saturday? And so I love this, this phrase that we learned in Uganda by uh, a number of churches uh, in a church network called Worship Harvest. Um, and I'm sure this, I'm sure this uh, saying goes beyond Uganda. Beyond Uganda. You don't have to be impressed. You can if you feel free if you want. Um, <laughs> what's that? He's rhyming again. I've been, I've been, Writing a lot of poems on Facebook lately that nobody's appreciated. Um, you can check them out. Not during the service, but after the service. 
But they have this, they have this saying that uh, Monday is, is church time. Monday is for church. But Sunday is garage time. And if you know what they mean, they're, they're, they're in the garage getting tuned up. They're, they're likening themselves to vehicles. They're, they're kind of getting worked on. They're getting tuned up and ready to go so that the rest of the week they can walk by the Spirit Monday through Saturday. And they admit, like, I come here. I, I, it's not just that I expect something great to happen on Sunday. Yes, I do. But the thing that I expect to be great on Sunday is that that's going to carry, it's going to fire me up so much that it's going to carry through the rest of the week, Monday through Saturday. I'm going to see miracles Monday through Saturday. But who likes a good Monday miracle? Uh, sometimes it's just me slogging through the day. You know, they say if uh, if Monday had a face, it'd be one that only a mother could love, right? Um, and uh, I actually, I'm, I'm sometimes a diff- different. I come and I probably, I'm probably guilty of not trying as hard as I should at work on Monday. Sorry, if you're listening. Um, but uh, I'm so tired from the weekend that I kind of take it easy on Monday. Don't tell my bosses. I want to remain employed uh, is the kind of the point. But uh, uh, but I, I, I joke with my boss all the time. I, I take it easy on Monday because I'm so tired from Sunday. But we expect we need to expect be as expectant on Monday for miracles, walking by the Spirit as we are on Sunday. Uh, and I really believe that. You know, God's not confined to this building. We, we, we are, are vessels of the Spirit everywhere we go. Um, to show people what we believe and how we believe, how strongly we believe it. If you've uh, noticed this week, it's, we've, we've had some real victories here at Ignite. Uh, and, and it's no surprise then, with that kind of ebb and flow, with that kind of back and forth, that we're in a battle. And we're seeing some uh, some reaction, I think, to that. Uh, and, and people, uh, more prayer requests came in this week to me than, than I've seen, I think, since I started here. Um, just people in difficult situations, children's going going to the hospital. Uh, for very scary sort of things. And so be in prayer for them. We, we are not surprised by that, uh, that uh, when God blesses and, and we, we make ourselves dangerous to the enemy, that we expect some, some fights, right? We expect a fight on our hands. So don't be surprised by that. But it's not just a Sunday phenomenon, a daily reality that we walk in, that we live in. And in fact, the Greek grammar here, to walk means continuously to walk. It's an ongoing thing. It, it, just as the, the same power that saved you, that, that pulled you from the pit of despair and hopelessness when you, when you came to Jesus the first time, it's that same exact power that you have to live your day-to-day life not to fall back into that pit. Do you believe that? The same power that saved you is available to you in the same capacity to live this life the way God's called you to live it. It's available to you. And so often we're just like, nah, I'm just happy to be saved. I got my fire insurance. I'm not going to hell and that sort of thing. Man, I want to be dangerous. I want to be a threat to the enemy. I want people, to, I, want, I want the enemy to look at me and say, he's got to go. But I got God behind me. He's got my back. And so you, you storm into that fight unafraid, confident, not because you're so great, but because God's so great. He's got your back. He's not going to let you dangle. He's not going to let you fall. He's not going to let you fail. You submit to the Lord and the devil flees from you. But you got to submit first. The devil's not scared of you if you're not submitted to God. In fact, he's going to chew you up and spit you out. I'm not, I'm not cocky and, and uh, unafraid because I'm so confident in my flesh. In fact, I know the opposite. I'm so weak in my flesh, but God is is glorified in my weakness. He is shown to be strong. 
You take a kid who would pray at the, the age of 12, about my age my son is right now, and say, God, I'll do anything you ask me. Don't ask me to preach. I prayed that prayer. About 11 or 12 years old. And God said, well, okay. No, I'm going to call you to preach. <laughs> that's going to be what I do. That's, that's, that's God's sense of humor, I guess. But, or maybe it was my spirit already kind of wrestling with the idea before I even knew it was there. And my flesh was already kind of, kind of resisting and, and, and pushing against the idea. We're either walking by the spirit or we are gratifying the flesh. Isn't that scary? You're either submitted to God or you're submitted to flesh. And in flesh, again, euphemism for our natural tendencies, our natural inclinations, the things that we are most likely to do at the impulse moment. Those are the things that represent our flesh. And we don't gratify our flesh. Uh, gratify means to give uh, yourself or someone else pleasure or satisfaction to indulge one's desires, to give into it. I, I want this most right now. My impulse is for this right now. I'm going to give into this right now. But as long as we're walking by the Spirit, we don't have You know, I tell people all the time, you can't will yourself not to sin. Anybody ever tried doing that? You think about a sin, 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 you do the sin. All right? you, you don't will yourself out of sinning. Uh, you pray about it, you get on your knees about it, but the more you dwell on it, the more you're really just justifying, I'm going to do this. It's just a matter of how, what time do I do it, how fast do I get there. But the more we think about sin, the more we are tempted to, to, to engage in that sin. And so I tell especially men, idle time is your enemy. You should be tired at the end of the day, men. And probably women too, but especially men. Uh, idle time, they call it the devil's workshop, right? Or idle hands, both maybe. But we, we leave those pockets of time and our, our, our minds start to wander. It doesn't take us long, right men? It doesn't take us long to wander into something we shouldn't be wandering into. And so I say get busy abiding in the Spirit, walking by the Spirit. Get busy building kingdom. Get busy doing things, uh, spiritual discipline, so that you haven't given any time to the enemy. He's like, man, I just can't wait for this guy to stop praying. I really, I want, I really want to attack him. But he's, just, he's still praying. He just won't stop praying. And then as soon as he's done praying, he's reading his Bible. I can't get a word in edgewise. Yeah, that's the idea. And then you're giving what time remains. You're giving it to other people your family, your, your, your friends, those that need to be reached for the gospel's sake. Don't gratify the flesh. Apart from the spirit that we are guaranteed to indulge our flesh. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. Look, these things are not just... Uh, not complimentary. Um, I think about like computer software, and I'm going to get really out of my depth here. I might have to invite David up to, to help me out here. But you, you think about software sometimes is not uh, one program not really complimentary of another program. They don't they don't play well together. You can make it work, but it's just that's just all you're doing. You're making it work. That's not what we're talking about. And they're not just incompatible. Trying to run Apple software on a on a Windows based computer not going to work, right? Right, Dave? Does it? Can I get a do-over? Well, you know what I mean, right? So it's not, it's not compatible. It's not, it's not going to work. It's not that it's not going to work well. It's not going to work at all. In this alternate reality that I just made up where 
Those two programs don't work at all together. Note to self, research more on the side topics you bring up. But they're not just incompatible, they are at war with one another. You understand that? Your desires, look at me times, it says it. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. They are at war with one another. You can't kind of just invite a little bit of the world in, a little bit of the flesh in, and be like, it's okay, it's just 20%. It doesn't work that way. Because it'll start fighting that other 80%. And eventually that 20%, it grows and grows and grows. Before you know it, you're not doing anything right. And so walk by the Spirit. Don't give room for the desires of the flesh that wage war against the desires of the Spirit. Uh, further evidence here that you can't serve two masters, right? James chapter 4 and verse 4 says, Friendship with the world is what? Enmity or strife with God. And the world is just the play space of our flesh doing fleshly things, right? It's kind of the, the uh, what's the when you paint something, Ann? Help me out. When you, the canvas, thank you. Thank you, Chris. And Ann, you would have got there, but she was taking notes. So it's, <laughs> so it's the canvas. The world is a canvas on which we paint all those fleshy things, right? And so we can't do both. Uh, friendship with the world is enmity with God. And Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, one of the most convicting bits of Scripture ever, Matthew 5 through 7. You want to feel bad about where you are, where you're at in life? Matthew 5 through 7. And not in a bad way. He'll, he'll, he'll just needle down to things you got to get root out of your life. I love that passage. Um, where he says you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money. One of the cheapest uh, currencies with which we do fleshy things is our currency, is our money. We end up worshiping the money. Uh, to the point that, you know, somebody has needs, needs a meal. Here I am e- eating my seventh meal of the day. And so he's like, I haven't had the first. Well, I got to finish my my seventh. You know, I'm on the I'm on the keto diet, which means I have to have seven steaks a day, uh, and uh, whatever else it calls for. I'm not really on that diet. You say you should be on some diet, right? Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm just having this conversation with you guys. You as you indulge me, we can't serve two masters. A word about uh, desires here. In Psalm chapter 37, verse 4, it says, the psalmist says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will grant you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself first in the Lord, he'll grant you the desires of your heart. So what kind of desires we want? Well, uh, I think the kindergarten understanding of that verse is we, we, we think, oh man, I, I'd like this, I'd like this, I'd like this, I'd like a better car, a bigger house, maybe a boat even. I've never wanted a boat, but I imagine maybe as I get all those other things, I, I start wanting a boat. Um, and then I then, and then I submit to the Lord and say, okay, He's going to give me all those things now. That's the kindergarten understanding of that of that psalm. You want the PhD understanding? Say say you do, even if you don't. All right. So the the PhD understanding of that verse is that not that God will grant you all the desires you used to have; He's going to grant you new desires. Isn't that awesome? You don't want that crap that you wanted before because it doesn't mean anything. You want new stuff. You want new stuff that comports and complies with the, the reason God brought you and put you on this earth. He gives you new desires. And now you're all jacked over the stuff that he wanted you to do anyway. Uh, he takes those old desires and removes them from you. So what you want, what's left, is that you just want to do the thing that God called you to do. 
You just want to live your life the way God called you to live it. And it's an awesome thing when you see it happen. But even with that understanding, we still battle our own flesh nature, don't we? Just because we're redeemed doesn't mean that we don't still battle with that stuff. I love bringing this up. I, I've alluded to uh, Paul in Romans 7 a number of times. But here I'm just going to put it on the screen and read it to you. Paul in Romans 7 verses 15 through, I think it's 19. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want to do. But I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. And here it is. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. You're like, okay, Paul, you could have said that a lot more succinctly. Uh, can we agree on that? Paul could have said that more succinctly, but he didn't. Uh, and and at, at bottom, what he's saying is, look, I, I have a set of things I, I would desire to do for God, but constantly at war with those desires is the desires of my flesh. And oftentimes the desires of my flesh winning out. Uh, and I've said this to you before. Sometimes we want to do the right thing and we don't do it. That's bad enough, but sometimes we don't even want to do the right thing, right? Who's, who's been there? Who can join me there? I, I didn't even want to do the right thing. I had to take a step back and say, I want to want to do the right thing. I'm one step removed from even wanting it, much less doing it. So we have to recognize that we can't do it ourselves. If Paul couldn't do it, then neither can I. If Paul couldn't do it, neither can I, neither can you, without walking by the Spirit. And that's not something that just happens on Sunday. That's something you you walk out of here with. And that should embolden you to live a life that's dangerous to the enemy. But, verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit, there it is again, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. This if indicating Paul's concern that maybe they're not. If you are led by the Spirit. And at this point, he's questioning that because they've given an ear to all the other chatter. They've given an ear to all the other influences. Who's, who's been there? I, I know I should be listening to this person or this, this thing, but I've got all these other voices in my head that I'm letting creep in. Have their impact. Now, both the law and the spirit refer to methods of approaching God, methods of attempting to approach God. Uh, one, the law was a fantastic failure. A huge failure. Remember we said a few weeks back, it said, uh, the law actually increased sin, right? Because we we look at those signs and say, don't do this, don't touch that, and all of a sudden, what do you want to do? I want to do this and touch that. That uh, that story was so apropos that uh, of the hotel that said, no fishing. And they're right over the water. They're like, no fishing, please. And so everyone's like, okay, all right. Hey, get my fishing pole and my gear, you know? And they And it makes me want to fish, and I'm not even a fisherman. The sign being there makes something in our nature says, if the sign says not to do it, you want to do it, right? And so that's who we are. That's what we, what we do. The, 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 the law showed us that that's who we are. It showed us that it increased sin because once the rule is there, it showed us that we wanted to break it. But the other, the Spirit, proved the only hope that we had to come to Jesus on terms that God the Father would accept us on. 
And don't we understand that even a good law wrongly applied can be disastrous? For the letter of the law can be disastrous. Imagine a law that's just said you shouldn't kill. If you kill, you're going. your life is required of you. Just like we read in the Old Testament. And imagine this law being applied to a man who stood up and stood in the gap when a, when a, when a man was attacking a family. And he stood up and he defended that family. And in the struggle, the defender of the family killed, took the life of the aggressor. And then that law applied. The letter of the law applied to that man. And his his life is now required of him because the law says you, you took his life. Your life is now required of you. So we understand that the spirit of the law is much more important than the letter of the law, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6 says, He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And that's what Jesus is offering you, his life. So what's at stake? What's the difference between walking by the spirit and walking by the flesh? Well, Paul's going to tell us it's evident what the difference is. He says in verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. He says, you know what they are. I don't have to tell you what the works of the flesh are. You know because you're already thinking about them. We've all been guilty of some of them this morning, probably. On our way into church, maybe. Then you wonder that the families fight more on the way to church than any other single place in the planet. You think that's a mistake? You think it's a coincidence? That the devil's looking for every every foothold he can get? If I can just stop this family from being ready to worship this morning. If I can just stop this guy from getting a blessing. If I can just stop this person from being convicted by the word of God. I've got a stronghold in their life. It's Ebony says, we know what they are, but we, we have a tremendous capacity to pretend that we don't, don't we? We have a tremendous capacity to pretend that we don't know the difference between wrong and right. And most, a lot of us, we just want to stay ignorant. We don't want to study this book because we know that the more I learn about this, this book, the more I'm responsible to it. But Paul says these things are evident. Stop playing stupid, he says. I hear some of the works of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. Does any wonder that our, our nation is obsessed with sex? Absolutely obsessed. They're cramming it down four-year-olds and five-year-olds' throats. Get out of here with that stuff, man. Let them be kids. We're sexualizing everything. And Paul would call it out as one of the big things. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Now, sorcery back on the rise. Uh, it's never been more popular to be a witch, it seems like, than now. You may not have heard, just, just do some research. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Talk about wanting to punch somebody at the beginning of the service. Fits of anger. We're not our best selves in our impulse moments. Dissensions, divisions. Things we talked about last week, dividing. The enemy inside is so much more dangerous sometimes than the enemy outside because the enemy inside is the one that's causing divisions. The cancer that grows on the inside. Bits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom. Look, if this is not if you've been guilty of them at a time in your life. 
All right, there's forgiveness for that. But if this is your orientation, if this is the stuff that you do, this is who you are, which so many on the, on the, on the news and the media and, and in the limelight, these, this is how they want to be defined. Look, these people have no place in the kingdom. Those actions and those, those ways of living have no place in the kingdom. That's what it's saying. If you've pitched your tent in Sodom and Gomorrah, then go ahead. That's all you got. That's all you're going to get. Those things will satisfy. We're told that those things will bring happiness. If I could just have a little bit more of that, a little bit more of this thing that God has called me away from. I think about little kids, toddlers, and and demanding uh, or wanting candy and asking their parents over and over and over again for candy. And then the parent just complies each time and gives them candy until at some point, they're, they're vomiting and they're sick because they've been given all this candy. They think that they want the candy. They think they want the amount of candy that they're asking for. Uh, and then they're given it and they realize how emptying it actually is, how destructive it actually is. But thanks be to God, he didn't just put us in this world and let us sort of wallow in our depravity. He didn't leave us to our own devices, our own natures. Instead, he's given us his spirit in Jesus so that we're not consigned to our basest and most natural instincts. We're not consigned to that emptying pursuit of filling up self through sexual gratification. Be it through pornography or sexual promiscuity. It seems as though at the height of the desire for those things. Man, that's all I want right now. If I could just get some of that right now. And then what happens at the end of us are are indulging our flesh in it. Guilt and shame and weight and brokenness. And it's heavy and it's dark and it's depressing. God says, I didn't want that for you. you. You thought you wanted, you were walking by the flesh and I asked you to walk by the Spirit. You wouldn't have gratified the desires of the flesh, but I, I asked you that. I gave you the rules beforehand. I told you about it ahead of time, but you still did it. The substituting of God with other things, anything it might be, fame, fortune, wealth, a bigger house, a bigger boat, all these things that we replace God with is idolatry. And he's not there waiting at the end of it to bash us over the head, but to exchange those desires for a desire of more of him. We've talked about Christian hedonism. We are most, uh, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. He wants to be our satisfaction. He wants to be our all in all. He wants to fill us up with those things that are not temporary but lasting. The constant feeling of strife and relational tension. Who's felt that? Maybe especially in the church. Why are we so prone to relational tension in the church? Because all of us walk around polishing up the outside, but inside we are still self-centered people. I want what I want, and that person's not giving it to me. But he'll take that strife born out of a self-centered disposition and give us an others-oriented obsession with somebody else's good. Can you imagine just being obsessed with the idea of making other people's lives better? What would you ever fight about? 
What would we ever fight about in this church if we weren't concerned about being in charge? If we weren't concerned about what I got coming to me? But my, my orientation was to serve you and to serve you well. And then we had a church full of people that had that same orientation. And we would turn this world upside down for Jesus. Get that DNA in you. That the person sitting next to you is more important than you. Esteeming others is more important than ourselves. That's a biblical mandate. He's not left us to the broken promise of escape from our problems from substance abuse. My heart's broken. I don't even know how to how to help anybody. There's so much of it here in this area. Substance abuse and addiction. Promising some high or some feeling that will help me escape the way that I felt five minutes prior. But guess what's waiting for you after that high comes back down? The same problem, only now worse. Because my situation's worsened. I've alienated my family. I've pushed them away. I've harmed all my relationships. And now I have to even, even more pieces to try to pick up and put back together. And Jesus is saying, it's okay. I've got a big broom. You are not so broken that Jesus can't. Put those pieces back together. He offers us through his spirit to transform our very lives. So that day in and day out, we are being transformed, conformed to the image of his son. Romans chapter 8. That more and more and more we look more like Jesus. And I'm content that my life might just be to point people to Jesus, but I want to look more like Jesus in the process too, amen? He offers to transform our very natures. He accepts you as you are, but he doesn't leave you. He loves you enough not to leave you there. So don't fight him anymore. He's running after you. Not to beat you up. He's running after you to make you whole. So that you can, in turn, look to somebody else and make them whole. Man, can we just be agents of grace to people around us? Not comparing sins with each other? I'm not guilty of that one, but I'm guilty of a host of other ones. As we become more conformed by walking by the Spirit, we will look more like Jesus and our fruit will bear. That's what Paul is going to get into next week. But the fruit of the Spirit, on the other hand, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let's pursue those things. Let's pursue Jesus' things together. And as I uh, close in order of prayer, we'll invite the worship team to come back up. Lord, thank you for our time this morning. Lord, we thank you for your message. We thank you, Lord, for your word uh, by Paul to the Galatians. That we could just kind of have a sneak peek and learn so much from it. Lord, I pray, my prayer right now is that people wouldn't walk from here unchanged by your word, unchanged by the truths that we shared, Lord, but 
uh, renewed and revigorated in their, uh, in their desire to be uh, conformed to the image of your son. That we would seek and desire more earnestly than anything else to be little Jesus is walking around. Just slopping grace on everyone that comes into contact with us. Help us, Lord, to make you famous in this area. Break the strongholds. Break those uh, addictions. Break the dependencies and, and all these things, Lord, that are holding people back and holding people down. And we need you to do it. We trust that you will. And we thank you in advance for it. We pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Please stand and join us.